Hello and welcome to the Joyful Billionaires Podcast, where we're having conversations with other joyful billionaires who share our stories of transformation from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And most importantly, the impact this shift has made in our lives. Our purpose for the Joyful Billionaires Podcast is to inspire and motivate everyone to claim their power of abundance and be a joyful billionaire. Thank you so much for joining us today. The two joyful billionaires, we have a couple of joyful billionaires joining us today, Ellen and Chick Adkins. Chick is a real estate developer, a family-owned business of 40 years, and Ellen is the founder and the co-creator of The Suburban Mom. Please introduce yourselves, and then we're going to do a little, what I call, heart space. We're going to get into a little heart space. Before we do, let's welcome our guest on the show today, Chick and Ellen Atkins. Hi, Martin. Hello, Ellen. Hi, Martin. <laughs> Hello, Chick. <laughs> Welcome to the Joyful Billionaires podcast. Thank you. Uh, yes, great to have you here. I know this is sort of new for you and it's a Saturday morning and you're in your kitchen and I'm in my uh, office space. We're all in our own separate quarantine areas as we're living through the coronavirus. Just one thing that you want to just tell our listeners this morning that you're grateful for this morning and then we're going to do a little meditation to get ourselves into heart space. So what are you most grateful for this morning, Ellen? I am grateful to be talking to you because you happen to be a person that brings so much joy to my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> all right. Let's go with that. I like that. You bring a lot of joy to my life too. And, and Chick, what do you got to be grateful for this morning? Well, I'm very grateful <laughs> for me and my family being healthy and uh, most of us are together and through this crisis and uh, actually being compassionate for so many people, what they're going through, you know, it, it brings extra gratitude for my life and all the blessings in it. And my family is probably number one with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But before we get into that, let's get into a little heart space and that's just a little meditation. And for those who, of you who are listening, you're driving a car, of course, don't do this. But if you're in a, a place where you can sit quietly and get in some heart space with us, uh, I'd ask you to do that. So just sit in your chair and become aware. And it's not, we're not going to do anything too, too crazy this morning. We're just going to get, become aware of that life force, become, maybe even put your hand on your heart, if you will, and just feel your heart beating so that you become present to life within you. That, that wonderful life force that's always been present, always been present for you and present for all of us. That's the connection. We're, it's, that's, it's the same presence in you that's in me. And so if you're over in your kitchen, Ellen and Chick, and I'm over here in my workspace, and if you're out there in audience land, wherever you are, if you put your hand on your heart and you feel into that level of consciousness, that level of presence, it is the same. It is the one. It is the oneness that connects all life together. We're it. And we're in it right this moment. Come present to it, present to the now. The invitation is to get still and let go of every thought, every belief, every opinion, every judgment you got in your head that you've been working so hard on it. 
just invite it into that beautiful loving heart space and accept all of them and just untangle them untangle that knot of worry anxiety thought just bring it into your heart and let them all go hold on to nothing let go of every thought opinion and belief you have about yourselves let go of every thought belief and opinion and judgment you have about me, this podcast. Allow yourself to let go of every opinion and belief you have about God, about this coronavirus. Hold on to nothing. Hold on to nothing. Everything you believe is good or bad, right or wrong, true or false. Let it go. Let it go, surrender it, and allow yourself to fall back into love. Fall back into the love and the beauty of not knowing. The luxury of not needing to know. We're cared for, that we're loved. By whatever that life force is that has us here in this moment. Allow ourselves to just fall back into that and be present to that life living through us so that we can live this day and live this next moment from a place of love and gratitude of our true nature, which is unconditional love. As we sit in this unconditional love, invitation to my two guests today is to just think about what wonderful things I want to ask you to come back on in a minute we're going to ask you to start with what wonderful things or thing have you discovered about yourself during this big timeout I'll call it by the coronavirus what new discoveries have you discovered about yourself as we've been asked to stop and listen and be still. Let's start this podcast interview with that today. What wonderful things. And the invitation is to do it in the third person. And I'll demonstrate. Martin has learned to be grateful for this precious life. And I have everything I have ever needed and will ever need to live a happy, joyful, abundant life. I don't need to do anything. I just need to show up with love and gratitude. And God, life force within me, or whatever you want to call that, is going to take care of the rest. That's what I'm learning and discovering as I'm asked to sit and be still during this virus. Ellen or Chick, what, what do you got? I'll go first, and that was really beautiful. I actually found tears coming to my eyes. I was actually surprised um, during this whole quarantine because I thought I had really pulled back on how busy my life was, you know, and we'll get to when I used to be in corporate and constantly multitasking, raising three kids, working full time. So I think of myself as a person that's much more mindful. But what this showed me is it was almost like my nervous system was like, oh, we can slow down. I realized that I was still going way too fast uh, for maybe my soul. And, you know, I just 
feel this unbelievable love for everybody. I feel like one, I take a walk, I notice flowers like I've never noticed them before. So it's, it's all these little things that for the quarantine, I might have noticed them, but not the way I noticed them now. Yeah. Well, so the word that came up for me when you posed the question was resilience. That Chick has, you know, discovered a sense of resilience in being able to adapt to changing circumstances. You know, years ago, having had an experience of just what you were talking about in your meditation and realizing a deeper nature that's, you know, not affected by the emotional ups and downs that I go through. And I I and and both of us have been, um, you know, there's a lot of different emotional feelings when you see what's going on with everything. But on the whole, we continue to feel happy. We have each other and so many uh, the other blessings. Martin, when we have dinner, we've been cooking a lot. We never are ones to really say a prayer. And I, but we're we've started just saying how grateful we are. Me just, too. Isn't that amazing? I just I, I made myself up a, a, a peanut butter banana sandwich the other day. Set on my porch and said a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, who are we? Who are we? We're not exactly organized religious people but it, it did it's like you feel well and when you see yeah you know what the world is facing you go this is an incredible blessing to be able to have yeah you know no, also don't, don't don't let that just go by a renewed appreciation for the ordinary is really a, a renewed appreciation in that it's almost like not just a renewed it's like a it's like the ordinary becomes extraordinary absolutely the ordinary absolutely. And, and i and i know i know you and i know both of you well and we sit in a spiritual meeting together, a spiritual group every Friday morning together. So I know for myself that I am just so grateful for a lifelong spiritual practice that I can actually hold on to that grounds me in this moment in a way that I don't think, I don't know how I would be doing it without it. Grounded roots in a deeper part of ourselves as we yeah. go through this. So let me, I want to move over now to, to hearing a little bit of your personal uh, stories of transformation. I, I'm particularly interested in, in the stories we like to talk about on the Joyful Billionaires is really a, a, how we got from the transformation from living in sort of a, what I would call a scarcity mindset of, of, of trying to prove our worth and that we're not, you know, some, somewhere on that, on that paradigm, something happens and then we shift to some ordeal and we find ourselves living in a higher truth of abundance. And that's why we call ourselves the joyful billionaires. And most of us go through some type of, of first half of life and then a second half of life. And, for, and, it, it, and I want to hear a little bit about your first half of life. And it's always, for me, it's a little bit about acquiring and proving and showing. And nothing's wrong with that. We all do good things. Maybe we went to good schools, we married the right people. All the things, and what we do is we find ourselves climbing this ladder, and we find that we get to the top of it, and we're on the wrong building. Maybe we'll start with you, Ellen. Tell us a little bit about who you were, and then what, and then what happened, and then I want to hear a little bit because it always forms why you created the suburban, the suburban monk. So, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about what got you there. Yeah. So I was a typical type A, CPA, Virgo. Um, Me too. Oh, oh. CPA, Virgo. <laughs> I used to have spreadsheets for like our kids' Hebrew school carpool, including what's snack. So anal and, you know, I worked full time in the corporate world and we raised three kids and I was just, if somebody asked me if I was creative, like my idea of creativity would be finding a new column in an Excel sheet. I think I grew up being told, you know, you go to college, figure out your major, 
get a, you know, get married, get a house, have the kids, you know, do all those things. That's who I was. We were defined by how much we could get done. Yes. Like, and, and, and the person that got the most done was the most successful and the, and the and that was the best person. <laughs> yeah. We didn't realize the prize might be unhappiness. We, we were, yeah, exactly. Being productive was like everything. So yeah, getting up early, who getting the kids to whatever daycare, getting to work and start, start, start getting like, you know, um, and us Virgos, Virgos that did that, we didn't judge anybody else who didn't do that. Anyway, did we? <laughs> well, we judged ourselves a lot if we weren't, per- if we weren't perfect enough. So, I mean, I look back and I'm like, really? How did I do that? Oh my God. It's, I would use different words now, but at the time I would be doing my work and I just kept having these thoughts, like you could do this with your eyes closed. I knew, I just had this feeling that there was more out there for me and but it was really scary then one day I was like I don't I think the worst thing for me would be to get to the end of my life and know everybody would think oh wow she has a most beautiful life but that I knew that I didn't have the courage to quit and see what else was out there and now I now I'll use words like I think what else do you need do we need to like get you fired but um yeah and it was so I quit not knowing what it was going to do no idea but I just that feeling inside of me was so big and it wasn't that it was unhappy I had you know we have a great marriage beautiful kids I didn't hate my job they went really fast I made good money there was it wasn't logical at all and I would think what am I going to tell like my relative that that probably held me up about a year it's because it's like, why? I knew it, there was nothing logical, but it was just so deep in, in me and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And finally I quit not knowing what I was going to do. And that's, that's when the journey started. Yeah. That's when you just fell back into, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this isn't doing, this isn't doing it for me. What relates to me and I said, somebody said you had to quit to find out who you were and what it was you're here to do. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I, I now know about myself. I'm a person that just always wants to grow and learn and expand. And I wasn't, my soul wasn't growing anymore. I didn't understand that at the time. I just knew this feeling. I feel like all of life, when we stop learning and growing and finding new things that we love, I don't know, to me, that is what's beautiful about life. And I didn't know that about myself. And I did learn that after I quit. So then you, so you, so you quit and then you founded the Suburban Monk because you wanted to bring something to the world. You wanted to help other people. You wanted to serve. That's what I always find is that when we realize that, that we're not getting fulfilled, something's missing. And for me, and from I know you, it usually has to do with I'm not serving at my highest potential. I'm not, I'm not giving all that I have in me to make a difference in the world. So I'd like to hear about the creation of the Suburban Monk from that perspective. The first part though, that I can't just jump over was a difficult part. I, sometimes I call it the Phoenix process. Like I woke up and I'm like, okay, you know, quit the day after we took our first son to college. So, and then our second one went right off. So I had to spend time with myself, figuring out what made me happy. Like I felt really lost. I knew it would be hard. I never second guessed, you know, the choice to leave, but I had to really go through this process that wasn't always comfortable. What does make me happy? Like Chick, the thing I love about Chick, I love a lot of things about you, honey, (laughs) but 
he like if wanted to go away for a weekend there's like a million things he could do he could go to a silent retreat he would you know he's an adventurer he could just go camping in the mountains by himself and I was like, I couldn't even figure out what I wanted to do. Like the really very first part I was feeling very lost is finding out who I was and what made me happy. Do you want me to expand more on that? Or well, what'd that... you find? What'd you find out about yourself? Well, what makes you happy? So, well, how I did it is I just would look at anything that shifted my energy a little bit. So it could be a color and I didn't use Pinterest then and we had a holiday and my niece came over and she saw I had things scotch taped all over. And she's like, Auntie Ellen, you know, there's something called Pinterest. But I was like, I would just find a quote and it made my heart feel a little better. And I would find, and then I'd rip something off and say, oh, that doesn't do it anymore. And I was almost learning about what created joy in my body. Like it did, I would not use logic. It would just be like, I'm looking at this or touching this. I don't, I feel better without using my brain. Out going to your heart. You actually let your heart begin to lead your life. That's what I love that because I have a company called Financial Heart Space. Because I want heart. The heart space should lead your life, and then the finances will come under it to nurture it. That's why I look at that. That's the that's the the teaching I like to share with our audience today because I'm sure there are a lot of men and women out in the world, particularly as they're sitting at home being quiet right now and learning about who they are. So yeah. what would you repeat that again, yeah. just in, as, as an encouragement and inspiration for others who might be sitting at home and saying, you know, I've got I've done all the things I'm supposed to do, just like Ellen had, I've got those, I got that, but I'm really not feeling very fulfilled right now. What, what, yeah. what really notice what, like without your brain, just with your heart, what actually brings you some joy. The thing that's so cool is everybody's tapestry. If you want to call it a tapestry of all the things you pull together is going to look different. I um, was going through a magazine and I saw this laughing monk statue and I was like, it just made me laugh. So I ordered one. I think then I ordered five and I would put them around the house and start dressing them up. I, the mailman, every, every time he came, it would have a different outfit. And I all of a sudden started being like having fun. So there would be this stretch, time would just go by. Now, again, if I had used my brain and here I used to be a CPA and people would be like, and like, you know, there was a point, I think my kids were like, dad is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was like, I don't know. She seems happy. <laughs> she seems happy. And, How wild. <laughs> <laughs> and at no point in time did I, was I like, oh, I need to create a business. I never saw that coming. I just, my first goal was to make myself happy and learn about myself. But really my first goal was like, I just want to feel better. I feel lost. I'm like, what am I even going to do today? And it did. It was this magical practice that showed me who I was and brought me to actually wanting to create the suburban monk because I fell in love with laughing monk statues, but it was so hard to dress those up. So I had to create my own because the arms don't touch and I can like put clothes <laughs> on them. I can, I can even put shoes on big Sid. His name is Sid, by the way, as you know. Yeah. So it really, like, so my outside life, I looked the same. My family was the same. We had the same house. So on the outside, it didn't really look that different. Although if you came into our house, you might be stumbled over helping <laughs> one statue. Not the inside, it was wow. It was just, I mean, S check. It was just. So changing. when the inside changes, what happened to the way you saw the outside? How did the outside world shift? From your perspective, through your lens now, 
from a place of happiness and joy. How did you begin to see the world? Through, really through joy. You know, I want to say love, but joy was, like what I did is I created a life that made sense to me, that made sense, felt good, and was really fun to live. That's one of my taglines, but it's so true. And every everything was like a miracle. <laughs> I'd go for a walk and i see some a piece of scrap paper and it would have the saying and I was like, oh, <laughs> I think the universe is talking to me. I, I would just collect things from my walk and it was just a much more, I, well, it was just much more. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that you created a life that was more fun for you to live and then you created a business to spread that and to, to show other people and sell objects and sell things that could make their life more fun to live. And that would be your service in the world. And that's what the suburban monkey is. Is that pretty close? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I am your normal suburban woman. And if I could go from, you know, that really normal corporate world to creating a life that just makes sense and is so joyful in a way that you would never have. Yes, that's where I want everybody. That's exactly to right. And that's, that is the hero's journey story. We have to descend into a place to let go of the old story, to let go of the old identity have faced some kind yeah. of ordeal, some kind of to way to reframe it. And then we rebuild it from, we I call it falling upward into a, into love and falling. And then we've got to go out. And once we get, we realize we're the gift, basically, as you realize you are the gift, this life is a gift. Then we have to share it with our community. And you're sharing that with the community through your company called The Suburban Monk. Just tell us really quickly a little bit about what that is and how you share it and how other people can get what you have. What we've started doing now is we're created a Suburban Monk guide to different practices to create a life that makes sense feels good it doesn't cost any money you can take the guide we have if you don't have a SID you can pick whatever is meaningful to you but the whole company now is about trying it's almost like a bridge to try and walk people from the life where they're like well I have everything why don't I feel more fulfilled to a life where you can keep your <laughs> husband and family and and job and, and you are you'll see you're going something is going to shift that might be hard to articulate but it's just and they can find awesome. you at going to the suburbanmonk.com. So, um, yeah, so my website is the suburbanmonk.com, and like Instagram is at the suburbanmonk.com, Facebook, all my handles are at the so in the middle of all this coronavirus, but, people at home, what would be the one thing you might suggest, or one tip you might suggest to people? who might be wondering, who might be have a similar journey to yours, what could they might be doing right now that you could suggest one or two things for them to do to, to, to begin to help point them in the right direction or get some relief? Yeah, so I do have people texting me and um, recently somebody that texted me because this is so important to me. I, early on, I had to create, like, even if it was just a little corner, I needed like a little space of my own. And this friend was like, well, I have a toddler, like we have a ranch. And I said, well, clean out a closet. And, and she's like, oh, that's not a bad idea. I actually feel that really helped me. I mean, I cleared out the Xbox room. So I kind of had an empty room and then I threw a meditation cushion down and I just started reading all things I was interested in but having that little space especially now when we're all quarantined and I don't know how many people are you're quarantined with it can it 
even if it is your a little part of your closet, I think it's really important to just have that space and have some stillness. I used to collect things that made me happy. So clearly I had Sid, you know, I would put a Sid and put an intention or just talk to him. And, you know, even if you have just any favorite little statue, like you have your giraffe, <laughs> I think just having, I, I need tangible anchors. So having whatever is meaningful to you and, and put it out there and maybe write an intention. So that little space is really, so the, big, is the biggest tip is big give yourself permission to create a, a sacred sanctuary in your space. You can go and be with yourself. Yeah. And you don't have to call it a sanctuary I, or sacred. I call it a sanctuary, sanctuary, sanctuary. I use those <laughs> terms all the time. And uh, and I ha I have something called on the internet. I have a Facebook group called the the. I think you're both a member of it. It's called the Financial Mystic Sanctuary. And I think the word sanctuary or refuge, whatever you want to call it, is uh, is powerful and meaningful. And we want to give ourselves. We want to make our own lives a sanctuary of uh, and, and and set some boundaries about what we'll let in and what we'll let out of that of, the, of that area. And I, and I, the way I define that is I don't want anything in that sanctuary that's going to create more drama in my life that I don't need. And because drama makes, anything is going to pull me into what I call the drama triangle. And the drama triangle, I'm either the victim, the perpetrator, or the rescuer. Your husband, Chick, I see him sitting there on, on the Zoom camera, patiently waiting his turn, and I'm so grateful for that. And so... <laughs> It's, it's, it's not, uh, I would just say that I am a witness to the profound transformation in Ellen. And, um, you know, she can describe, you can describe the, you know, the outward journey of the corporate CPA to the, but I can testify change from when we were young. I mean, we met in our 20s and married in our 20s and we fell in love with each other. And there was somebody there that I fell in love with. But even though there was enough that we, you know, saw a life partner for each other. But now going from that to somebody that I have to know that my entire life is just available <laughs> on Facebook for anybody to see and read about. And, and, and the way she blogs from the heart, I more than anyone can testify to that transformation. It's we all know a lot of people. I'm not sure I know anyone that I've seen. Yeah, that's, 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 that's great. Let's stick there just for a second because that's an important thing for people to hear because if, you know, I'm sure if, if you're married and you, one one partner is making a huge shift in their their life, like quitting their job, not knowing what they're going to do for a year, and then creating a company, building statues of, of, of Buddhas and, and stuff. You know, what was the impact of it on you? And, and, and how do you hold space for that today? Because that's important for, for maybe husbands and spouses and partners to hear uh, who, who, are go who are facing this. I started on a, a, a sort of intentional spiritual journey. I'm going to say years before Ellen did. But I knew earlier on something was missing inside. That was there was a big part of myself that was discontent and at dis-ease inside. So I was in my mid to late 20s. I was really starting to search. I didn't know where that was going, but I would start to. So, but in those days, it's just funny to me that Ellen created this amazing business around this laughing monk. You know what? Our 
to this day, we support each other's spiritual journeys. Of course but they, they do. But what is it like living? Still, what is it like living with look, Ellen's they, dad they, they, they and having her, your your life partner, your spouse, your soulmate today as it was before? What's that like for you now? Our marriage is without question Beautiful. the greatest blessing in my life. Without without question. And of course, the family and the children we've created that are part of that. But it's one of those corny stories. We've been married now. Thirty-five. Yeah. I was going to say it's almost we're closing in on closing in on thirty-six. I did know that, even though that I I couldn't remember years yeah. in the our, early years. Our anniversary date. That's so, wonderful. Yeah, That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know uh, what? I'm, what came to mind was you were telling that story is that I'm I'm going to make up a story that says you started out on your spiritual journey earlier so that you could be there to support. You could be in a spiritual place and a, a loving place to support Ellen when she got to this place of transformation and you could just give her the space she needed to do that without having to hone in on that that's the story i make up i think there's a lot of truth to that and i like to feel that i play some part in the suburban monk and ellen really touching all these people and particularly all these women i'm like the i'm like the supporting uh cast behind the scenes you know that's, that's yeah that's, he's that's, been my that's, rock. that's helping i i do feel i yeah I, yeah so but, i think there's a lot of so i want to get to your story because i think it's important for people listening you, you have a, a real estate company and i'm sure it like every other small business or any kind of every business has been impacted from this shutdown to hear a little bit about where, who you were for, as you were building the business and who you were i would say we, we talked earlier about being kind of an anxious worrisome real estate developer business owner to one today who who comes from a more less worrisome more joyful place of running your business and how are you doing that and that might be particularly helpful that that part of the story to help men and women who've got businesses on their own they may not be real estate business but they might be some they're they're entrepreneurs they own their own business and they're at home worried about how they're going to to survive on this? What would you, how could you tell your story in a way that might give them some, some hope right now? Well, first of all, it's funny. Real estate is my business. For me to hear myself introduced as, you know, Chick is a real estate developer. That is a part of my life. I mean, your career is a big part of my life, but I don't define myself by, by what I do for a living. Uh, I try to bring my authentic self into that like I do into everything else. What is helping me get through this period of time is the same thing that has helped me through get, get through for the last 30 years, which is I had to find practices. I had to find a way of changing my inner state to be something that, to be what I want, and then bring that out into all phases of my life. For me, meditation changed my life, and it changed my life, and it didn't change the outward circumstances circumstances as dramatically as it changed Ellen's. I'm still in the same career, but it definitely changed my relationship to my work. Very dramatic. And, you know, I, I will say the ups and downs of it, my career has been, been good for us financially over time, but there have been times, I'll tell you, in the downturn 2008 and, and real estate and particularly residential real estate a, a few years before that, around 06, it was a big downturn. And we had some things that hit us very, very hard. Hard financially. They're going, people are going to lose money. And that's a good thing because the more money we lose, the less lives we're going to lose. What would you say to people just exactly right now who are going to lose money and, and, and how, to, how to basically stop worrying about losing money? What would you, as a business owner, what could you say 
people could do or practice or or read if you could just give some advice as a successful real estate developer who has survived that that downturn in 2008 who's living through this what could you just say to some people that might be listening to help them just stop worrying so they could actually have a peace of mind as we move through this place it's a great question it's not a quick question for me to answer martin i i, I want to say one of the first first things that comes up to me is i'm not one any longer i would not say to someone stop worrying. I, I would not do that. I think it's too, it's too difficult, especially if you're facing really, really stressful circumstances, which a lot of people are. I would not say to someone, I would say, and what has helped me, uh, I haven't stopped worrying. Worry is not this incessant, obsessive part of my life okay. like it used to be when I was younger. And you alluded to, you alluded to that earlier. I was, I, I, in many ways, I was kind of a happy kid. The one thing I had is I always knew the things that brought me joy. There were physicality. I was, I was very into sports, but I, then I got into hiking and skiing and I, I, anything. And I love nature. I love being out in nature so i ended up doing rafting and all these things but i worried a lot a lot about it and that's it it comes from an insecurity and a feeling and need you know all these things we've learned through our spiritual practices the not feeling good enough in so many circumstances and comparing myself to other people and and all of those all of those things so i would not say that to somebody it it, it it's okay to work so 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 worrying what i'm hearing you yes. say now is that work what you find your you're so worrying it triggers an old story that were you obsessed over it what would you say and what do you do today so when you get when you find yourself worrying and i do too i mean i, I sometimes some of us are worrying what would you say people can do when they get triggered and they find themselves worrying and also so that it doesn't become an obsessive state okay <laughs> that's what i call meditation meditate meditate med 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 you know we can go sit on a cushion which i've done a lot of and a lot of silent retreats at this point and long intensive periods because for my personality long intensive periods have brought bigger change for me i'm not a very ritualistic person i'm a little different than ellen than that i don't particularly sit in front of an altar i can sit and meditate anywhere i could go out and back and just and hearing the birds and and by the way and watching the thoughts like the worry thoughts just like i'm hearing the birds as things that are arising and passing away yeah, in yeah. consciousness in this awareness that we are and you know we can do even if we haven't made a lifelong practice of and people go I, you know i don't have time i don't know how to do it and, you know exactly. it's putting down doing putting down doing i said and we don't have time everybody has a few well minutes. the thing is is that everybody has a few <laughs> minutes to put down our phone or, or shut the office door and just sit and 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 listen to our breathing just what you were the few minute meditation you led us with feeling the feeling of being in our body of being sitting in our chair of, of breathing uh which we don't have to yeah it's just we don't have to make any effort to breathe it was given to us we don't have to make any effort and then mm -hmm. noticing our thoughts yeah. that's what so, changed, that's so, what changed my life you know that's what you're worried about you can say, that, oh, that's just a thought. That That's just a thought that's going across my head. What if I changed that thought and, and questioned it and said, I don't know if that's true or not, if I'm going to go bankrupt and lose my house. Most likely, that's not going to happen. So what new thought could I project, could I say, that might change the moment? 
and then I could check project that into the future. It could be something like, oh, I'm right now I'm thinking I'm going to lose my money, lose all my house. What if I thought, oh, wow, look at all the, let me stop, be still, be present, and let me see all that I have in the moment and not worry about what I don't have or what I might not have, but look at what I do have and say, oh my God, I have so much. I have so much to be thankful for. I'm so creative. I'm going to project that into the future that we're going to have more in the future than we have now because I stayed, I slowed down and I realized just how beautiful and creative I am. That's a reframing. And that's meditation. Yes. That's what meditation, that's what slow, for me, that's what slowing down yeah. is all about. It's stopping, slowing down and listening for the truth. So for me, it's like I look and say, okay, if this thought is making me feel fear, if this thought's making me feel shame, if this thought's making me feel bad in some way, it's just a thought and the thought's not true. Why don't I just change the thought to one that's going to make me feel better and project that out into the future? I'd much rather have that happen in the future than what I was thinking before. And since I don't know if either one of them are going to happen, I'm going to feel better sitting here right now thinking the future is going to look like that. That's to me the power of meditation. That's plugging in the creative power source within it. It's not just so that I can feel blessed and happy. It's really for me, it's about plugging into that creative power life within me and listen for a better outcome, for a creative outcome instead of a destructive outcome because a fear-driven thought that comes from worry is usually destructive. But if I slow down long enough and listen in my heart to that creator in me, then I'm going to be able to create a positive future that's going to be more exciting and more creative and more a flower, if you use the word flowering. And that's, that's what I believe is going to be happening in, as we wake up to what Eckhart Tolle from all this to a new earth is we're going to be living from a place where our thoughts are going to come from a place of love and abundance and instead of from a place of fear, fear and scarcity. That's just my philosophy. And that's why, and that's why I have the Joyful Billionaires podcast, because I know that all three of us walk and talk and live in this world from a place of abundance than a place of scarcity. And that's, what's, and that's available for every single person on the planet. Everybody has abundance within them if they're willing to just sit still long enough and listen to it and realize that's who they are. So that's how I'm going to, take that little comment, <laughs> beautiful comment, and, and, and sort of wrap all this up, because I think that that is, you're both beautiful examples of joyful billionaires. And I define joyful billionaires as people who just live from a place of abundance. All of us can be billionaires. And my favorite example in my icon is Oprah Winfrey, who she and I grew up together in South, she grew up in South Louisiana, I grew up in South Georgia, with the exact same age. And her chances of being a poor black girl growing up on a farm, becoming a billionaire media giant, to change the world are slim to none, but she tapped into that creative genius at a young age, somehow, somehow, look what she's created. That is an example of an abundance mindful. That's a joyful billionaire and you're joyful billionaires. And it's been a joy to have you join me on this podcast today. Just before we close out, I'd just like to know, Chip, we know you can find Ellen at the, at the suburbanmonk.com. I don't know that people might need some some help and some guidance getting through their, their their businesses. Maybe it's real estate. Would you be willing to have a conversation with people who own businesses or could they contact you in some way through an email or a text or a Facebook page? Of course. Of course. Well, there's a couple of things. So, look, I use my main email, which is just Atkins at atkinscompanies.com. I use it both professionally and uh, and personally, you know, I had a spiritual awakening experience that you and I have discussed about 10 years ago, 
And after that, I started blogging for a while, and I have a I have a <laughs> blog site. I'm not I haven't really been contributing it to it recently, but at Chick Spiritual Blog at blogspot.com, okay. and it's got my Gmail on there. I've got a lot of spiritual blogs up there. And I created a whole company called uh, the Financial Heart Space, and that's to help people. As, as I was a financial planner and wealth manager, and I realized that what people really needed was help resolving their inner conflicts and their emotional attachments to money. And so, and that's what I'm hearing from you and that you're can be very helpful to people out there in the world who might be feeling this is a real big problem, but if they can apply some spiritual principles that you that you follow, they might be able to turn this really difficult situation into a time of prosperity. All right. Well, you know, it's Absolutely. been a joy having you on Absolutely. our show today. 